to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If there was plastic anywhere and he touched it, it would be like a code red for me. So if we went to a store and there was like a Lego display, I would be a mess. Welcome to the deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. Have you heard of the Crunchy Cult? Well, I hadn't. Today is so fascinating. A group of people that were passionate about health but it turned into something way more sinister. Here at The Deep, we share stories that make and flick the way you see the world. And that is intentional and it's not always comfortable. Today may trigger your beliefs around medical intervention, birth and beyond. Laura, welcome to The Deep. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. This is a bit of an interesting conversation today. It's not the norm for us. It's a little left of center. The crunchy cult, right? Yes. Have you coined it the crunchy cult? I don't think so. I had been seeing a few people on TikTok mention it before me, and it's kind of just disappeared, though. I think I'm the only one right now talking about it. (laughs) Break it down for me. I've heard of crunchy mums or crunchy parents. Can you tell me what crunchy cult is? Right. So the crunchy mom is someone who does everything natural and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But when you start doing it in a way that hurts other people and it kind of dominates your entire existence, it becomes extremely dangerous for everyone involved. And sometimes people have referred to this as the wellness to white supremacy pipeline. I don't know if you've heard of that in Australia. I can see that too, though. Yeah. Are you saying that's because it has a lot of white privilege attached to it? Absolutely. I do. I didn't personally know anyone who wasn't white in my circle of crunchy people. So you're saying people are indoctrinated into this lifestyle and the way they do this is, is it generally from birth or is it generally from like, where do they seek 
Okay, so I thought that it would be from birth, but I asked on my TikTok, any of you crunchy kids who were raised crunchy, are you are you still crunchy? How are you doing? And a lot of them were saying, I am having a really hard time. I'm in therapy for eating disorders and Aww. you know, I'm having anxiety and depression. Um the most common thread is that people with unchecked mental health, such as anxiety, or I'm, I'm hearing about a link to OCD from a lot of my followers, they are being um, recruited for the crunchy cold. Recruited is a really big word. It is. And so that's one of the checklists of, is this a cult? We need to go to the cult question. Because you are calling it a cult. Yes. Talk to me about why it's a cult. So there is a man in the United States, Stephen Hassan, and he came up with the bite model for, I think it's the bite control model for cult identification. So it's a, it's a checklist that you go through and it tells you what you should be looking for. What are those things? If it all checks out. So some of the behavior aspects are that they will tell you exactly what to do and there's not a real option to go in a different direction. So one of the things that felt very true to me was when I thought I was dying of a brain tumor, you know, because of my anxiety, and I was prescribed three coffee enemas per day. And if you don't do it, you're chastised. Well, you didn't try hard enough or long enough, and that's why you didn't get better. So they control your behavior in little ways like that. It might be zero waste. You're shamed if you are buying processed foods. You're shamed if you don't grow your own garden. They're keeping you busy, and they're telling you how you should be spending your time. What's in it for them? Community feeling like you are living the right way. You have others now justifying the same lifestyle. But the primary factor is that who I think are some of the cult leaders, they're making money. It's a billion-dollar industry, the holistic health The holistic health, and then they can frame that however they want. And there's not real any science backing up their claims. Is it also like when you're in the inn – you get like a list of these are your people. This is what you're going to, this is who you're going to see. This is what you're going to eat. And then you shop there. You see that person for that. That's your doctor. So is it in a way like a business, like the way that they structure it? There is a little bit of an inner circle in that you will be admitted or blocked by Facebook groups. And once you're in these groups, you have access to people who you wouldn't normally have access to, like famous bloggers or doctors. Because to say cult, cult is a heavy word. And people that have escaped a cult that might be listening to this would be like, you guys with your anti-vaxxers and your conspiracists and all of that, like don't come to me when I have been like sexually assaulted in a cult or I've been kept, you know, without my will. Why cult and not group? Well, it's a community. It's 
a whole culture. And if you do something that is not approved, you are essentially excommunicated. Was that you? Sure. I mean, I, I wouldn't call it that way. I would like to think that I consciously made the decision to leave. But if all of that hadn't transpired the way that it had, if, if I hadn't gotten blocked by my friend for announcing that we were going to vaccine, if I hadn't been asked not to come to the hiking group because my kids could be shedding their vaccines, if COVID hadn't happened and I was in a little isolation bubble, I mean, who knows where I would be. So let's go back because we know, I mean, I think for all of us when I'm speaking for women here that have birthed, but for, and privileged women, when we uh, get pregnant and even if we haven't been super organic or even like super clean in our lifestyles, when we find out we're having a baby, like I know this has very much happened to me when I was starting solids for my child, I was like, only organic, only the best, only, 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 right? Whereas I would just like drive through McDonald's and get a Big Mac. It's like, no, for him, he needed this um, specific type of food. And then when you kind of open or crack open Pandora's box a little, even into that like um, baby led weaning world, or um, we call them koala mums here that baby wear, um, co-sleep, all of that stuff kind of happens. You, You learn about it kind of towards birth and beyond, you know, what kind of sleep, um, mom are you going to be? Are you going to do like sleep support or training, or are you going to just do the whole thing? Right. So I feel like for me, I learn about crunchy moms or crunchy parents or granola parents or natural parents early Hippies. on hippie parents, right? right. Bohemian, the, the vibe. When does it become, because you've said dangerous, like what's the progression of that? You've lived this. I think there are a lot of different routes that it can take. It can be dangerous to the mom herself. And that was absolutely the case for me. Um, I launched headfirst into the crunchy lifestyle because of untreated postpartum anxiety and depression, which sort of is not recognized at all in that world. So I went completely untreated. Okay, so you're saying that you having an underlying condition also was met with the need to do all of these things. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, this all started in my yoga class. I was told to go to yoga to ease my anxiety and then it worked. So my yoga, the the owner of the yoga studio told me, well, you know, you might also want to try all these other things to ease your anxiety. And those worked too. So then what I would those try things? more. Well, you know, at first she would just push the things that she would make money on. So at the yoga studio, she had a masseuse and a chiropractor. She had a naturopath. So I, and she had a midwife. So I dropped all of my Western medicine doctors and I went down that route. And I was planning on doing a birth at the birthing studio. And every week I would go to the chiropractor and get adjusted. I got a massage. She was also the owner of the yoga studio was also an MLM distributor. So I would buy multi-level marketing. Yes. It used to be called pyramid scheme. Yes. 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 Got it. Got it. She then got you into these people. Did you buy into the MLM as well? I never sold, but she told me 
when you are delivering, you're going to be feeling nauseous. And so peppermint oil will help. So then I bought peppermint oil. And when your baby is a little bit colicky, you'll need this one specific one that's, you know, a branded name. And so I bought that. And these are not inexpensive. They're like $40, $60. Yeah. Tiny little bottles of oils and remedies, would you yeah. say, to support you Absolutely. and the baby? There would be cleaning products too that I would buy from her. Uh huh. And cleaning rags. I mean, m- makeup, everything I would get through her. So I was like supporting her entire livelihood. Yes. Okay. So let us talk of some of these crunchy behaviors that you started to do and where, how far they went. The most dangerous aspect for me that I didn't even realize until getting off this crunchy ship was the risk that I put my unborn child in by having this midwife. Um, she was a certified nurse midwife, which is like the top tier in the United States. So she owned a birthing house and she had one other midwife who worked with her. And that morning I called that other midwife because she was my primary caretaker. I had seen her every week for the past few months. And she told me that she would be at a different birth that day and that I would be working with the head midwife, the one who owned the birthing studio. And so I called her and she told me, your contractions are too far apart. Just relax at home. So I relaxed all day. Um, and then at one point I told her the baby isn't moving much. The contractions haven't increased. And she just told me to keep waiting. And, um, I did, I listened. And then 18 hours later, it was, (gasps) I think like 11 PM at night. I called her and said, when can I get to the birth house? Because my anxiety is through the roof at this point. And she had told me that my anxiety was out of control um, and that she was releasing my care and I needed to just go to the hospital. But I didn't go to the hospital right then. Why? Because you had an objective to birth at home? I had started my pregnancy with an OBGYN and I had planned to deliver in a hospital. And then I had been indoctrinated by the owner of the yoga studio, by the masseuse, by the chiropractor, by the naturopath, everyone. They all told me how dangerous it was to birth in a hospital. And the masseuse had had a baby who had suffered shoulder dystocia, I think it is. And she said that it was at the hands of the doctor and they were in the process of suing. And I was terrified to have to go to that hospital. Look, and I totally understand there's also a spectrum of experience in care in hospitals and at home. I know that's such a gray area where some people have had really traumatic births in hospital and feel that that is true. And then there are the other ends of the spectrum where people have birthed at home and it's been very traumatic. I understand that this is a full scope, but you, because of feeling vulnerable and Uh, I guess, following the guidance of these people chose to go this way, right? Got rid of your care, chose to go this way. So then when the midwife abandons you, why didn't you go to the hospital then? Well, I called my doula at that point. So she, um, she didn't recommend that I go to the hospital right at that point. I think if she had, maybe I would have gone, but I knew nothing. This was my first baby. I had just I just knew what I was told. 
And she told me, I'm going to get in contact with this other midwife who I used to apprentice for, and she'll come check on you. So she did. She came over to my house. And I thought at that point, I mean, I just met this midwife, but I'm going to have a home birth and it's going to work out. And what happened? It didn't work out. Um, I was, I was feeling ready to push. And so she did one last check. Um, and I was 10 centimeters dilated, but she said something was not right. She was either feeling the baby's eyeball or his scrotum. And she said, because she didn't know No, she couldn't see. Yeah. Right. So she called the hospital as we were driving there and she held my legs shut. It was the middle of a snowstorm. My husband, it's like three in the morning at this point. My husband's running red lights to get us there. It was really wild. What happened when you got to the hospital? Uh, so I put myself and the baby in more danger because I just didn't know. I was, my anxiety was untreated. I'd been trying to treat it with these useless herbs. And they told me, we need to rush you for a C-section. And I said, no, we're not going to do that. They made me sign waivers saying, you are putting yourself at risk. You might die. The baby might die. And I thought these people can't be trusted. They, um, first of all, they're all men. They have no idea. Like I, my mama's intuition is calling the shots here. And I know that we're going to be safe. Um, so they agreed to let me birth my son vaginally. And he was in fact breech. They did an ultrasound to confirm it. Wow. But I birthed in the OR and everyone was scrubbed in. Um, someone was standing there with a, a whole tray of items in case they needed to just slice me open. And did you birth him that way? I did. No pain relief? I couldn't have pain relief because um, with a breech delivery, once the body is delivered, you have six minutes to get the head out or there's brain damage. Right. And so I needed to be able to feel and control uh, and push. So I did that. It, it, I'm sound, it sounds like you have a bit of shame around this. I have so much regret for not just getting a C-section. I'm so lucky that everything went the way it did. And he's perfect. It could have, could have been horrible. At this point, you are still committed you still are committed to doing things the way that these people are discussing, even though you have been very close to danger. There's no point in that that you were like, oh, I'm going to check out now and just see some other ways of doing things. You were like, let's go deeper. They essentially give you scripts. They say, this is what's going to happen especially with regard to Western medicine and birthing. And then it did happen in my delivery. You know, they, they didn't give me a choice. They said, you're going in for a C-section and it was all men. Um, they were doing cervical checks over and over, even though it hurt. And I would say, no, they, at one point they brought in like at least a dozen medical students without asking me. It seemed like, well, the crunchies are right. It reinforced everything. It reinforced your whole experience where you were like, this was a really scary experience for me, but that was also like a few other factors in there. But then when I actually got to the hospital, 
this is real. This is real. This is what happens. And a lot of that is true. Like we understand, I think it's a global thing that from, you know, if you are induced, I've been induced twice, there is a high percentage of, um, uh, medical interference from that point, you know, there's more intervention. So that is a, it's a statistic. It's a, it's a fact. I guess where it gets a little bit um, interesting is when this psychology is being used to um, program your brain and then also lead your thoughts towards the next steps. So you get this baby home. What happens next? What are some crunchy behaviors? Bed sharing with a newborn. He just slept with me all the time. When he was old enough, I pureed him organic purple cauliflower. It wouldn't have been appropriate to feed him regular cauliflower from a grocery store. Okay. And the baby sharing, lots of people do that. I know lots of people that do that. Um, it is polarizing. There are some people that say you have to learn how to do it in a really safe way. There's kind of some structure around that. Others are completely against it and others just love it. And they're just like, this is baby came from my womb. It's on my body and it's just, it is what it is. Right. So what made you feel that your baby or your bed sharing was dangerous? At the time it felt like it would be more dangerous to put him in a crib because what if he died of SIDS? Of course. We all think that every single day, every single (laughs) nap, we think that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The worst thing I did was I refused to vaccinate him. Okay. Now I want to be really clear here. This is not an anti-vax show or a vax show. This is a you choose your own story um, podcast. I am vaccinated. Um, I know though, and I totally respect people that choose to do things because of health reasons. And I've got lots of close friends that have um, experiences of that nature. But tell me why you chose not to vaccinate. Because of the family history that I did have, um, my son's pediatrician said that he would be at high risk of developing apraxia, um, which is a speech language issue. And it really scared me. If he had the vaccination, he could get this thing. Okay. But that's your pediatrician. That's someone that you, that's someone medical that you trust. This isn't a crunchy doctor. No, it is. It absolutely is a crunchy doctor. There's a crunchy doctor? (laughs) Yes. There's a crunchy Uh, doctor that is in like Western world? Yeah. So he was um, a DO, which is so similar to an MD. And a lot of DOs do offer vaccines in their office, but this one did not. And so his name was distributed kind of by word of mouth only. Sure. Okay, so you see this doctor, but you're also seeing people that you want to make your truth true, right? Like you're not seeing people that are going to push against your beliefs. Yeah. Um, so you choose, is this all of the vaxxers? Because I don't know what the schedule is like there, but we have like two at birth, then six weeks, um, four months, oh, 12 months, 18 months. Is it similar to you guys? Yeah, I think it's basically the same. Okay, so which ones did you skip? Oh, all of them. 
Till when? Until he was three and I think eight months. And that's when I got him caught up. Okay. So did he need, uh, this is going to sound like a weird controversial question, but did he suffer any illnesses that he needed the vaxxers for? He didn't. I got very lucky. (laughs) I knew people whose kids would get whooping cough and they would treat them at home. How? One of them in particular that I knew the worst kind of treatment that, that I could think of was um, an enema. She would administer enemas to her kids. So that is when you put like the little tube up the butt and then there's something that flushes into it and then things flush out. So she's doing at home um, administered enemas on the kids when they're unwell? Yeah. Okay. For whooping cough? Yes. (laughs) And I was under the impression that if I was breastfeeding, it would be virtually impossible for him to get sick with any of these things. We also know that breastfeeding is amazing, right? Sure. And whether you breast or bottle feed, that's completely up to you. But we know that it has, it's like, you know, really healthy, but that was your only support against viral infections. I did make my own hand sanitizer, but it didn't have alcohol in it. It was what, what, what's essential in it? oils, um, distilled water, essential oils, and then witch hazel. Okay. So this baby is okay. He's very strong. He comes out safely. He's unvaxxed, but he's really healthy. What are the things in your daily life with him that you're doing that are crunchy things? So he was not allowed any screen access, but you know, I would always take it a step further. And so I wouldn't use my phone around him. So I was completely cut off. So do you mean like if you needed to make a call, he would have to be having a nap or you'd have to go to another room? Yes. Or my husband would have to be with him so that he wouldn't see the The blue light or the red light or whatever it is. Oh, and speaking of that, I changed out all of our light bulbs so that there was no blue light in there as well. Um, He could only play with wooden toys. Um, If there was plastic anywhere and he touched it, it would be like a code red for me. So if we went to a store and there was like a Lego display, I I mean, I would be a mess. If we went to a store and they had, I don't know if you, Bath and Body Works. We've got like a similar, it's like a, a, bedding shop right yeah it's well it's like super fragrant um soap if they had that in a bathroom wherever we were I mean I would think that he was inhaling cancer so you would so for example if he did a poop and say had soiled hands and there was the choice of using that soap that was cancer soap Would you prefer him to have poop on his hands than wash his hands with the cancer soap? No, but I would carry my own soap. Yeah. And I made it. I made everything. How exhausting. I would break myself. He would go to bed and I would make my lotion. I would make my husband's shaving cream. I did everything. I also tried to be zero waste. And so that was oh a very big problem because you can't. It's so you can't hard with be. a kid, especially with a kid. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And, and through this whole time, what's your relationship with, like, your husband? What's he thinking about all of this? It was strained, but, I mean, he's the most supportive and loving person, and he's my ride or die. So... When I would tell him I'm feeling really anxious, I, I mean, and I would have a panic attack, I mean, he would be the person who would support me. And it seemed at the time that these things that I was doing were helping manage my anxiety. And they weren't. It was just spiraling me deeper mm. and using up all of our money because none of the practitioners were covered by insurance. And I was spending a ton of money you know, you'd think that it'd be like inexpensive to make your own candles, but you have to buy all of the processing Stop. things first. Yeah. So <laughs> nothing was cost effective. And that's where the white privilege comes in, doesn't it? Because minority groups or people that are low at living below the poverty line, this is not an option. You know, this is not an option to make your own candles or your own soap or to choose a practitioner that isn't covered by insurance because you want whatever it is are you eating vegan I was at this time yes and is your baby eating vegan absolutely yeah and is that I don't know I haven't looked into it but is that safe I did not feel good eating vegan so I don't know how that affected my child and the pediatrician was not a trustworthy person he said everything was fine, but we did switch to a new pediatrician to get my son vaccinated when he was three. And that pediatrician said, I want you to be feeding him eggs. You can be vegetarian. You don't have to have milk, but you need to be feeding him eggs. And so okay. that was the first thing. Okay. In. Interesting. Interesting. So can we talk a bit about what you started to notice within this collective yeah. So I had one friend, she went on a tirade at the playground one day while our kids were playing about trans men and trans women and how their choices in their lives mean that they've given up reproductive rights. They have no right to make a baby anymore. And I, I didn't shut her down. I, I didn't really contribute to the conversation, but I didn't shut her down. And I very much regret that. But I also stopped being friends with her at that mm. point. Part of the tirade was she was saying that pharmaceuticals in our water supply have led to increased estrogen and caused all of these, you know, she referred to them as problems. So she's saying that has made people trans. Or yes. has made people homosexuals. Exactly. <laughs> that okay. vaccines, there would be microchips in the vaccines that would reprogram someone. I've heard some, like, especially around COVID, I heard some, like, some wild conspiracies around that. But I haven't heard that there's, you know, things in the water to make you gay. 
you know, I haven't heard that. So if you Google it, I think there was a study that was done where you could like make more female fish in a fish tank if you added enough estrogen, but it doesn't apply to life. I mean, it's just not (laughs) what's happening in the world. So we often see these articles or these studies from the conspiracists, and I'm sure that that is an overlap with the crunchies, right? Because you go so far down the rabbit hole because you want a lot of the things that you're doing to be um, made true by fact, which is articles or papers or reddits or whatever it is um, that we heard that you can turn fish to be girls if there's estrogen, right? Because a lot of these people are smart people. They're privileged people. Like we said, they're educated, they're white, they have opportunity. What is it about this group that makes them want to be there? Lack of trust. I get that within government, within society, within culture, within all things. And it's bad in America for women right now. So I totally... Really bad. Yes. I can understand how you would go down that. I mean, because you are looking for the facts, but then you're told the people who are supplying the facts cannot be trusted. They've been bought off. At what point then, when you were living this very stressful life, which should be very stress-free because you're a crunchy mom, do you go, "Mm, things aren't feeling safe anymore for me. Things aren't feeling good. It was before COVID, right before COVID. Um, Maybe like six months before I was pregnant with my second child. And my husband and I kind of had a discussion um, about how we didn't feel like not vaccinating was working for us. Like it was something that we needed to pursue was getting vaccines. To be honest, that conversation at the playground really scared me. The, the conspiracy, the, I mean, it was the wellness to white supremacy pipeline in a conversation, like personified. And I was terrified by that. Which is so weird, right? Because that's a person that's living this life saying something ridiculous that makes no sense. But are you looking at her going, well, if you say that, then how do I believe you about anything else? The vaccines, the food, the this, the Mm -hmm. all of it. Did you just absolutely you're insane. So now what is true? Exactly. That's exactly what happened. I didn't know about any of that conspiracy side of this until this was four years in. And I think they just don't show you that side until you are deep enough in you're caught now here's the crazy. Can I, can we go there for a minute then? What other crazy did you see? It seemed like there was a lot of Nazi sympathizing going on. No. (laughs) Like very adjacent to that. Um, There's a lot of anti-Semitic things that are said. There was a lot of leaning heavily on guns and prepping. Wow. Guns? Oh, oh, I mean, Guns it's America. and crunchy. But I just think crunchy would be like we're in a field of daisies, you know, like we would never oh, pick yeah. up a gun. You're maybe up- maybe in Australia. It is not that here. <laughs> so they are pro-gun. Yeah. So something that I've heard a lot on my TikTok is kind of something that I felt. And it's that crunchy was on the left side. So everything used to be very liberal and... um you know, like stop all the wars. And then it just shifted. And when everybody saw the shift was when 
COVID hit. So I knew a lot of people who came out to me as being very pro-Trump. And it shocked me because I would never in a million years vote that way. And I was very loud about it. I had had an abortion and I knew these were not safe people to tell, but I didn't know that they were Trumpers. Yeah. Um, and then they just slowly fell down the Q rabbit hole um, around COVID is really when I saw it. It might have happened sooner. I saw a lot more coming out via COVID too, because I think the desperation was there. The anger was there. I'm actually going to step out pre-COVID and then COVID hit and you like, oh my God, there's Sally and oh my God, there's Ben and oh, they're all losing it. On Facebook, posting the most wild things on Facebook, because one of the things they tell you, they indoctrinate you in into the idea that you cannot trust doctors, you cannot trust scientists, and you cannot trust the government. And then when COVID hit and they didn't have any answers and they were saying, don't mask, okay, now mask, they're like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. This is what we've been telling you guys. We've been telling you that they don't know what they're talking about. Here it is. We talked at the start because, you know, a lot of this happened when you were vulnerable with some mental health issues. Was there a point where you were worried about your mental health and these remedies weren't helping you? Were you in danger mentally? Yes. I sat in my naturopath's office crying, convinced that I was dying of a brain tumor and being told that if I went to a regular doctor and got an x-ray or PET scan or MRI to see if I had a brain tumor, then that radiation would give me a brain tumor. So I was in this circle of doing whatever they wanted me to. She would use tuning forks on on top of my body. A tuning fork. Tell me, what is this? So it's a pronged stick that's made of yeah. metal and you bang it and it, it makes a certain vibration. There are different sized ones. I mean, it's like, you know, cups filled with different water. And what do I do? I bang it on your body? No, you hold it over the body. And, and it, then what, it removes illness? Changes your vibration. It changes your aura. I would only drink kombucha that had been infused with vibrations at a certain megahertz. From where are the megahertz coming from? Who's giving the kombucha the megahertz? I guess they play music when they are brewing oh. the kombucha. Why it sounds is a part of me <laughs> wanting this kombucha though? Like why you is know, a it's part really of me good. like I want <laughs> I want some megahertz kombucha. Give it to me. I am a sucker for some woo-woo though. So there is like, yeah. if you said the pronged fork will do this, I'd be like, give me the pronged fork. <laughs> um, okay. So you're, you're in there and there are constantly very alternate methods to these people's uh, ways of being and um, looking after you. The mental health thing, where were you like, I think that I might need or are you medicated? Yes. Um, the only thing I'm not medicated for is my ADHD. And that's because I'm still breastfeeding and my psychiatrist doesn't think it's appropriate right now. Okay. So you have a psych now. So you left crunchy, you got the kids vaxxed, 
the next step for you was mental health. You go and see them. No. No? So this has been over two years, my exit. And I only started on medication like three months ago. Why? Well, between then and now, I'm just saying like, yeah. why, um, you know, you've struggled so long. Was it, st- did you just, was it hard to shed that knowledge or that fear? It absolutely. There are still things that I struggle with. I still think that I have orthorexia because I will stand in the grocery store panicking. What is an orthorexia? So it's a, it's a type of eating disorder. And basically you are fueled by the thought that if you eat the wrong thing, it will harm you and it must be top tier, healthy in every way. So example, if you felt like some Doritos, oh, you're <laughs> ne- still, I, I mean, I, I don't think I've had them in like seven years. I don't think I'd ever do that. <laughs> You wouldn't now? <laughs> no. You still couldn't? So I, I've been struggling with this for a while. And this weekend, I first, I just started eating bacon for the first time. Yes, bacon. And it, How good it was is three bacon? pieces. It was really good. But <laughs> afterwards, every symptom that I had, I was like, okay, I'm having an allergic reaction. Maybe my oh. system is shutting down from the proteins. Oh, so you've got a little bit of, um, there's some anxiety and there's you, the equilibrium isn't balanced yet. Even if you eat the thing, you're then thinking that it could be poisoning you. Or worrying that what if I'm feeding the wrong thing to my kids and something happens to them that I could have avoided. And I knew all along. And then I decided that I was going to give them non-organic food and look what happened. So I think about that every time I grocery shop. So it's almost like a bit of brainwashing has happened. Absolutely. So when were you then medicated that you were like, I need help? So I have gone through a few rounds of postpartum depression and they have been very, very dark times. The first was when my firstborn, you know, for the whole first year and a half of his life. And in that time period, I got pregnant again and thought I was going to kill myself. Mm. Um, So I had an abortion and that was the darkest time. Um, And then there was another brief period as well. But a few months ago, I started feeling like I was sinking into that and I couldn't get out of it. Was there a trigger to the, the one after the initial bout? Yeah. So I've been doing a lot of therapy and that unearths so much, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about rapes in the past or things Mm -hmm. like that, that'll jar me. And usually I'll bounce back and everything is fine. But I felt myself not being able to bounce back, kind of slipping further into old crunchy patterns that I had previously eliminated. That makes a lot of sense, though, because what I'm hearing now through this is from your anxiety, clutching onto a crunchy behavior gave you some focus, some control, control, some goals, some community, some support. It does make a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense that when you're spiraling to grab onto another thing that distracts 
and puts you in focus to do something. You can't keep slipping. But then underneath all of the crunchy behaviors is all of that mess. But now it's like I have OCD and I know that when I am stressed or I'm anxious, my weird ticks come out. Is it the same thing for you where you're like, you notice yourself doing crunchy things and you're like, oh, fuck, I'm back here. That's interesting because I was evaluated for OCD like 10 years ago when I had some behaviors and I was told that I didn't have it. But now I have so many people in my comments saying, I have OCD and I also was in the crunchy cult or I have OCD and I see myself slipping into it. Mm. Yes. So would you say that now being medicated, what is the shift that you're seeing between the two? Because I'm not pro, I'm I'm just curious. I'm not pro anything, but I'm just wondering what it's like for you. The shift between which... the taking the meds now mentally, what is it helping? Absolutely. The first pill I didn't think I could get down. Um, my husband was like very monumentally instrumental in, in getting me to take that. Mm. And then the first week I was told you're going to be experiencing really terrible symptoms and you just have to get through it. I'm on. <laughs> That's your crunchy going like, <laughs> it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. Yeah. yeah. So I was on, I'm on Cymbalta and I was Googling it like crazy to find statistics. Like how many people were bedridden for two days? Am I dying? Yeah. And then once I got past that, like it's just unbelievably amazing. Really? And I felt, I felt really good right away. Um, it was kind of like being able to feel all the highs, but not having the lows, just not being able to go that low. Wow. This is wild. I thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, what an eye opener. Here we are thinking it's a granola and it's a whole, which we call muesli, which is a whole new thing. Final question for you. Who are you when no one's watching? I I think I'm a much weirder person than people think. <laughs> Um, I, I'm very outdoorsy still. So we just went on a 17 mile bike ride this weekend and I love doing things like that. Um, I have a stream in my backyard. Do you drink from it? No. (laughs) Do you catch fish or anything? I don't. Okay. My son and my husband do and then release them. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I really love, I mean, I, I do not subscribe to conspiracy stories, but I love learning about them and I love watching documentaries and really weird mind bending things. Well, I think that you totally did that for us today. So thank you for being so generous with your experience and being with us on the deep. Thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm honored. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's The Deep. Planning for your next trip? 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting. It's quirky. It's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you'll hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.